0: Great coaches ask great questions. The best days at work are the days when the light bulb goes on for somebody.
1: Else. Welcome back to On and Not In It with Focal Point Business Coaching of Ohio with Todd Eppert. How are you doing today, Todd? Great, Nick. How you doing today? Living the dream. Living the dream. You're always living the dream, man. Always. Uh, yeah, it's, it's some days the dream's a nightmare. <laughs> <I just> keep <laughs> on pretending. It's someone's dream, right? That's what matters. But today we want to talk about culture, and that's a massive topic to kind of dig into. You it could, is. You could do a hundred episode series on culture, probably. It is. So, what aspect do you really want to hit on when we talk about company culture?
0: Yeah, so I want to talk about what does it feel like in the business when you don't intentionally create your culture. Ooh cool to dig into it so yeah. what, do you, what do you mean by that so so um, you know I, it, obviously in, in every book that you read and all the like leadership training and things like that there's often this four box like thing that you can picture in your head mm-hmm. so just think about four boxes and the two axes are going to be um, the challenge axis and the invitation axis okay So as a leader, the way you can impact culture the most and what you're trying to do with your employees is get them engaged. Right. We all want engaged employees. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to balance these two things. You have to invite and you have to challenge. And if you don't do them well, what happens? So let's take the Let's take the culture where you do neither. So your employees don't feel challenged and they don't feel invited into the business, meaning they're in, invited into something special, something unique, something entertaining, so I'm invited into how they're going to make an impact in the business, right? Mm-hmm. What happens is that it's a very boring culture, if you think about it. Like, I just roll in, I punch the clock. I really don't know why I'm here, and I certainly don't feel like I'm making a difference. There's no buy-in. So I'm just bored, right? And I'm just sitting around doing nothing, and I'm just bored. There's a lot of companies like that, if you think about it. There's a lot of companies that have this mm. boring feeling um, and that, it, it, you know, they just, I think right now it's probably less employees will stick around because there's more of a jo- open job market. Mm-hmm. It's easier to find a job right now than it has been in years past. But think about years when unemployment is really high mm-hmm. and people are stuck in a boring culture there. You have the employed disengaged people that you're paying and they're really not doing a great job for you. That's mm-hmm. a real problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, now, that's the that's the worst case scenario when you're doing neither of those two things. Mm-hmm. When you're doing both of them together, what you get is empowered
1: mm-hmm. employees
0: because they feel challenged and they feel like they're invited to make an impact in the business. And that's when you get the empowered, engaged, highly motivated people that are love their jobs, um, that are really excited to to be at the company. Day they, they they get up in the morning and say, "I can't wait to go to work." Right? Those are empowered employees. Those are the people that. Um, It's easy to ask them to do a little bit more. Maybe you can promote them. Maybe you can expand your company because your employees, you can actually ask them to think on their own, empower them to do something so that you don't have to do everything, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. So that's when we balance the invitation with the challenge well. Mm -hmm. So we've got the do neither, get boring. Do both. Do both empowered, right? Love it. So what happens in the middle? Right. right, Let's talk about the culture where we invite a lot and we make it really special, but we don't challenge our employees to do anything that's really challenging. Guilty. Yep. What we get is cozy. Yeah. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, that sounds very Our familiar. employees feel very cozy, right? Oh, Nick loves us. Uh, this is the greatest place to work. Well, Everyone what you, gets along. What did, what did you get done this week? Oh, I don't really know. <laughs> but But it was cool and I'm excited to be here. It's fun. But that can only last so long, right? Eventually... <sighs> Those people are like, there's a lot of hot air blowing around this place, but I'm not really not sure what we're getting done, and I don't really feel like I'm challenged in my work. Mm. I'm too comfortable, right? I'm just, it's just too comfortable. Um, The flip side of that is when we have the high challenge and low invitation, what we get is people that are stressed out, yeah, because all we're doing is pounding them to get more, but we're not really inviting them into the game, Mm. right? We're just pounding away at them. Mm. So we don't, we certainly don't want boring, but we actually need to try to get away from cozy and stressed out as well. We need to get to that empowered section. That's
1: a very interesting way to look at it. Can one person, because a lot of it comes down to accountability, I'm assuming too, right? So can one person both create the, both of those environments, both be inviting and also challenging?
0: Yes, but generally, go back to behavior styles, we're probably good at one or the other, <laughs> and we actually have to practice at the, the one that we're bad at, right? And this is a place where i often tell leaders, hey, focus on your strengths, um, and and you, you know you can shore up your weaknesses, Um, In this case, if you're the sole leader, you've got to work on this one. If you're a a high challenge person all the time, like you get up and you work out every day and you're pushing your employees really hard, make sure you're inviting them. And you may have to really practice at that and do some specific things. Or if you're a really happy-go-lucky invitational, everybody loves me, you know, kind of a person and you don't really know how to challenge others, you may have to work on that as well. If you have multiple folks, then you you could have a high challenge person and a high invitation person. And they just have to learn how to bounce off each other uh, in the workplace. Right. right?
1: And that can be difficult. There's some conflict there.
0: Right. Because by the way, the challenge person is just going to eat the invitation person for lunch
1: every day of the week. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> you. That's at least a diagnosable. That's problem. called the bully. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? That's the bully model. I I'm, t- no. I'm totally kidding. Now right. we have a label yeah. for it. It's great. So, how does someone? Let's start with the challenge aspect. So, if someone's not very challenging, how do you, what small activities can you do to become more challenging?
0: Right. So um, metrics can really work in this case. So if you lay out a metrics and you, and, and you say, hey. Let's let's give an example of revenue. Hey, Nick, as a producer, you're producing a million dollars in revenue for me. I'm going to set your goal to be two million this year. I've challenged you to get more, right? That's a pretty simple way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's easy to measure. It's easy to see because it's a metric, right? And you can see how they're performing. And so they, they can keep score for themselves, mm-hmm. which will then cause them to challenge themselves because mm-hmm. they understand how the score is kept and they know how to make the score better for themselves. Most people want to win, right? They want to do well. They mm-hmm. want to be... Uh, they want to be engaged in what they're doing and they want to feel like they're doing something that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so leverage that, right? Give them something they can understand. Be very careful creating metric systems that can't be explained to the fifth grader as an analogy or whatever. If if the person that you're challenging can't explain what you're asking them to do and the challenge that you're asking them to overcome, if they can't explain it. They probably don't understand it, which means they're going to feel like they're being left out and they're just being pushed
1: and not really challenged. I love that. How, do you focus on lead or lag metrics when you're outlining your metric programs? Um, So I like um, a heavier
0: dose of predictive indicators than I do the results indicators. Okay. I think both are important. So results are things like revenue, right? They're things like profit. They happen after we do all the activities, right right? So what are the predictive indicators that are leading to those things? Mm-hmm. And that's really what I like to do because those are generally more in control of the employee. So for instance, right. So, for instance, let's go back to our sales analogy. Um, if I if I um, if my sales process starts with a cold call, as an example, which nobody likes to do that, but let's call it a cold call just because everybody knows what that is, um, and we have to do a hundred cold calls to get one customer, mm-hmm. then I'm I'm going to want to put a metric in place that says how many cold calls are you getting done a week? Right. If I expect. At least one customer, new customer a week, then you better be doing 100 cold calls. Right,
1: right. And if you're trying to double your revenue, it's 200 now. Yeah, yeah. And and candidly, uh,
0: maybe there's some training and some development we can do to make the 100 more like 20. Right. Right, there's things you can do and train along the sales process in presenting or closing techniques or identifying the prospect's techniques. Um, Why is it 100 to 1? Can we make it better? And that can even be a challenge for the employee as well. What areas are you good at? What areas do you need to work on so that we can make your 100 cold calls? 80 then 60 then 40 and then when you do 100 cold calls you get me two and a half customers a week instead of mm-hmm. one right mm-hmm. then you're really performing
1: i love that that's a good point let's flip the flip the scale look at the inviting culture if you're very challenging not very inviting how do you grow an invitation just be nicer
0: uh yeah but I mean, you may so so it sounds a little bit silly but take time for your employees Take time for your folks. So um, there's an old adage, and I I know Marvin Lewis, the head head coach of the Bengals years ago, used to say it. People don't know what you care what you know until they know that you care. Right. That's the invitation side, and so um, candidly, I think I actually think Marvin Lewis did a really good job on the invitation and a poor job on the challenge. Really? Yeah. I think I think the Bengals had a cozy culture when he was the coach, right. Um, so that's just that's my perspective. I think Zach today has a challenge and an invitation culture, and, and that's the, why you're seeing and, and you're seeing the results from the Bengals. Uh, not to get too far off a track. But, no, I love it. That's but, great. Um, so, anyways, so um, if you're struggling on the invitation side, start with something small. Start with a rather than walking through the front door straight to your office and turning your computer and get to work. Walk around and say good morning to your team. Mm-hmm. How was your weekend? How was your day? Do you have any big plans over the weekend? What? Just be personable with your folks. Get mm-hmm. to know them a little bit. Um, I also encourage folks, if they're going to do that tactic, and somebody says to you as an example, "Oh, boss, it's Friday. I've got a really bad weekend this weekend. I'm going to have to go up to Cleveland. You know, drive my three and a half hours up to where I'm from. Um, my mom passed away, and I'm helping my dad move out of there. Our my childhood home. You better not forget to ask how their weekend was on Monday. Yeah. You better stop by and say, Hey, I know you had a really tough weekend. How do you do?" Do you need a little time? Do you need to th- you know, do you, do, you, do you need some time to do, just to just to relax a little bit? Would you like some time off? Things like that, right? right. But make you're sure you're buying you, into it. Make it's sure not, you ask the questions, it's right? Authentic. So if somebody shares an important personal thing with you in your normal walk-around mornings, don't forget the normal important things, right? That's gonna help you with the invitation hmm. side. You can also invite them by sharing the vision, mission, values of your organization, a little less personal. But here's what we're trying to accomplish at the company. Here's why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. So companies that get the culture side well, and they're really teaching people what they're trying to accomplish, people buy into that culture, and then they feel invited into Mm -hmm. that business Mm -hmm. to, to really make an impact on what they're doing.
1: Nice. That's interesting. And one of the things I've noticed with that, sometimes the invitation can get too inviting. Right. And then it kind of turns into like a social club. So, how do you stop that? When do you know when to draw the line with invitation?
0: When your employees start telling you it's really cozy around here. I'm kidding. They probably won't tell (laughs) you. I was
1: going to say, they tell you that? Are we doing this wrong?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a, again, you got to learn how to balance those things. What I would do is pay attention to your metrics. So, let me ask a question Do you care? Let's say your revenue is growing at your rate that you're asking it to grow. Let's say you put a target of 25% growth this year. First quarter, you're at thirty percent. Second quarter, you're at thirty five percent. Your business is doing really well, and you walk out one day, and everybody's, you know,
1: gossiping, doing whatever just do.
0: just playing around, and they're having fun, and they're talking, and they're talking about the game last night. And do you care?
1: Yeah. Why do you care? I don't know. <laughs> Why are not they doing more? Deep, right, deep-seated bias, I'd say. Right? So, so maybe their
0: time around the, uh, the the cooler, the water cooler, for example, uh, to talk about last night's Reds game because they're on a hot streak and they've won eleven straight. It's crazy, right? Um, makes them have an exciting conversation, and they go and they go sell way better than they've ever sold before. Hmm. Or, I mean, that's the difficulty. What I would look at is again balance. So if your metrics aren't going the right way and you walk out and the culture is they're standing around the water cooler chit-chatting, they're probably a little cozy. So pay attention. What's the marker? If you walk out and they're heads down working all the time and the metrics look great, but you can almost feel the tangible like everybody's stressed out, you're probably a little too high challenge.
1: Hmm, that's awesome. So it's a, it's a gut feel more than it is something straightly analytical.
0: Well, you could, you, there's an old theory called manage by walking around. You know, go get be of a study. Office, of, yeah, right? go 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 be a study of people. Don't sit in your office with your door closed.
1: Go get go meet your people where they are and see what's going on. They'll they'll show you what your culture is rather than tell you what your culture is. I love is. that. That's a really good point. So, how do you typically start working when there needs to be a change? You're, you're typically working on one of those two axes. So, is it just a hard conversation first? Here's the game steps. Here's the smart goals. We're going to establish these metric systems. So we're going to be a little bit more inviting. Then, how do you follow up on that? How long does that process usually take to start seeing those tangible results?
0: Um, so. It, I, I would say it depends, which which is a terrible answer to the question. But I mean, uh, it depends on what you're working on. I think on the challenge side, you can see the, the results much quicker yeah, uh, because of the metrics, right? If you do a good job and create nice, simple metrics that people can understand and they feel like they're achievable and they jump in and they start doing the work, you'll see the metrics. You'll see the metrics tick up, especially those predictive ones, mm-hmm. the leading indicators before you see the, right. the trailing indicators. Right. Uh, but if they're doing the activity, as long as they're um, doing the activity the right way. And so what you also need to pay attention to is let's say you're doing the activity and they're seeing the, the leading indicators doing really well, but the trailings are not coming around. I've got a problem. So either they're pencil whipping, meaning they're not really doing the work. They're just, you know, putting things in or whatever you're using as your CRM. probably shouldn't, you probably need to get a trademark on that.
1: Whatever your CRM, we'll beep it out. (laughs) Whatever your
0: CRM packet is, uh, whatever you're putting it into, um, that's the pencil whipping side, or maybe they need some additional training. Hey, Nick, let's have a conversation. You're doing really well on the leading indicators. Tell me where you feel like this is happening. You know, um, here's what our normal sales process is. How well do you think you present mm-hmm. our offering to other people? How well do you think you close well? Do you, how well do you handle objections in the mm-hmm. sales process? Mm-hmm. How about those ones that are unspoken? You feel like you're going to get that deal, and then they never come through. They probably have an unspoken objection that you haven't dealt with. Mm-hmm. Maybe so we you need ask to get some training in that. Right? Right, so dig around and see what's going on.
1: It's very interesting. when it comes
0: to the metrics and the challenging side.
1: Do you ever work with people in terms of clients that they can't make that jump? I mean, do you ever talk to a high challenge personality and you're like, "Hey, man, go be nicer," and they just can't make that happen? And then is it kind of just like, "Let's find someone else in your organization to help you with that side"? Uh, the answer is yes.
0: I've worked <laughs> with people like that, uh, and and. You know, when I have other folks that I'm working with in the organization, I might encourage them to be the other part, the invitation side. Yeah, Uh, I might encourage the leader as well to bring someone alongside them to do. So, like, let's say let's say it's a larger organization where you've got a a, uh, like where you're doing town hall meetings, as an example, and communicating to employees of how things are going. And let's say the CEO is the really high challenge person. So they're probably not going anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> right. Because they're the CEO. Typically not. But maybe we need to have someone that's a little bit more charismatic. That's a little bit more inviting. Do the presentation of what's going on. The metrics are still there. Invitation or challenge. We're doing well against our challenges. But we're going to use someone who's just a little bit um, better with people mm-hmm. to present the information and invite the team. And by the way, that's where you can also bring that mission, vision, values and start driving some of that stuff. There's lots of things you can do to implement cultural values mm-hmm. that would also increase that, that invitation score in larger organizations. I don't know many entrepreneurs, by the way, that are really spending a lot of time, but I do, I do have some clients like that. I have a client today that has uh, two employees and then a 1099. They're looking to hire again. And one of the steps in their uh, hiring process is actually to have the people that are interviewing, they do a, a video and they have to pick their core values from a list of values. Um, and they have to define why they're their core values. Yeah. And they look at how well do they match up to our team? And yeah. I think it's really great. That's, that's an example of how a small business owner is starting from the very get go to invite those people in to make a difference in their business.
1: That's brilliant. Our question is if you're a Disney character, what should you be and why? But oh, there you go. It's the same thing, right? You uh, you yeah. establish, why are you the girl from Brave? Are you, you know, excitable? And are since you Disney brave? owns
0: Marvel now, I'd be Captain America. Oh,
1: absolutely, no <laughs> doubt. I knew that walking <laughs> in. I'm so surprised you didn't have the shield, too. But that's a good answer. So I have one more question about culture, and then yeah. we can wrap up however you'd like. So looking at the cultural aspect, I think it was Drucker that said that st- culture eats strategy for breakfast. Agree or disagree?
0: I agree 100%. And I think you got it right. It was Drucker. Nice. That said that. Yeah. So um, the reason that is, is because if you think about it, um, strategy is often the goals, the, the things that we're planning on doing. If we don't have our culture that's really supporting that strategy, we're never going to get it done. It's going to be a battle against our employees, candidly. So if you build your culture first and you have an, go back to what we're talking about, an empowered group of people that are working with you because they're highly engaged because they've been challenged and they've been invited into the game when you put a strategy in front of them and actually include them in creating it, think about how much more powerful it's going to be in implementing that strategy, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if you, and I've worked with a lot of companies and seen a lot of companies that do this, they spend, the leaders go off for a weekend retreat, they come back with a three inch binder that talks about their their culture and their strategy, they stick it on their shelf, it never comes down, they mm-hmm. never talk about it, and they wonder why they don't achieve their goals in the next five years,
1: mm-hmm. right? So you've built power culture.
0: Yeah, so culture will drive where you're trying to go faster than strategy will. I love that Why Drucker said that.
1: That's awesome. Any closing statements about culture? Um again, I think you could do an entire series on culture if you yeah, want to. Yeah, but... I think you could.
0: I think it's good. And to tie it back to the name of the podcast by the way, building your culture is all about working on your business not in your business. But when you build a good culture, you'll enjoy more working in your business.